This year's prize, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry, that is, is about the cell's toolbox for repairing DNA. I'm Steve Mursky, and this is the Scientific American Podcast Science Talk for October 7th, 2015. A bit before 6 this morning, Eastern Time. I'm Joran Hansen, Secretary General of the Academy, and with me is the Chairman of the Nobel Committee for Chemistry, Professor Sara Snogerup-Linse, and also Professor Klaus Gustafsson, member of the Nobel Committee. The Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences has decided to award the 2015 Nobel Prize in Chemistry jointly to Thomas Lindahl, Paul Modrich, and Aziz Sanyar for mechanistic studies of DNA repair. 77-year-old Thomas Lindahl is at the Francis Crick Institute and Clare Hall Laboratory in the UK. 69-year-old Paul Muldrick is at the Duke University School of Medicine. And Aziz Sankar, also 69, is at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. What follows is an edited version of the announcement and press conference. And now, Professor Soras Nogerup-Linse, the chair of the Nobel Committee, will give some introductory remarks. Sora, please. Damages occur to your DNA every day. In fact, right here, right now. If all those errors were left uncorrected, your genetic material would have very little resemblance to the original chromosomes in your very first cell. Life as we know it today is totally dependent on DNA repair mechanisms, as have been revealed in molecular detail by this year's chemistry laureates. Their findings have enormous consequences. As just one example, they have led to insights what may go wrong in conditions such as cancer. Almost every cell of you have almost exactly the same DNA. It contains the recipes to make all the proteins needed to build you and make you function. So there must be mechanisms to maintain the information. If I were to pull out the DNA from a human body and place it in one row, it would cover the distance from the Earth to the Sun and back 250 times. Although it's so much, it's remarkably similar. We have a repair mechanism, but we also have a replication machinery that copies the DNA at each cell division And this has a remarkable fidelity. Still, like every chemical process, it makes mistakes at random. So there will be errors. But the DNA can also be damaged by other insults like radiation or spontaneous decay or chemicals, poisons, for example, as found in cigarette smoke. All those insults cause a variety of structural changes to the DNA molecule. Therefore, we need multiple repair pathways, as will soon be described by my colleague Klaus Gustafsson. You're going to hear about the structure of DNA in terms of the letters A, C, G, and T. Those stand for adenine, cytosine, guanine, thymine. These are the four standard nucleotide bases in DNA. Just four is enough to code for an organism. Code for you, just as a few standard notes can be used to compose a sonata, depending on how many there are and how they're ordered. You'll also hear about another nucleotide base called U for uracil. U's are found in RNA, but in DNA, as you'll hear, well, they shouldn't be there. In every 
single cell in our body. We have genetic material that encodes for the creation of a human being. And this, uh, this information is stored in DNA and is written with a very simple chemical language containing only four letters or four bases, A, T, G, and C. And changes to this information or damages to the DNA can have very serious consequences. So what are those consequences? Well, for instance, DNA damage mutations can cause cancer, and they are also seen as an important, or important contributing factors to normal biological aging. How then do these DNA damages occur? What, how, how do we get them? Well, it turns out that DNA, in spite of being the carrier of genetic information, actually has limited chemical stability. Our first Nobel Prize laureate, Thomas Lindahl, demonstrated that there are a number of spontaneous chem chemical processes in our cells that take place all the time and that breaks down the DNA slowly. Normally in the DNA you have base pairs between C and G, two different bases. But sometimes what happens is that the C breaks down and forms a U instead. U is a base or a letter that you would normally not found, find in the DNA. And uh, there must be some way to get rid of this. Thomas Lindell calculated that we, this reaction happens about 200 times in every living cell every day. So over time, we would actually lose all our Cs. Thomas speculated there must be a repair system, and he went out to search for it. And he could indeed find one, which a repair system that we now know, now know as base excision repair. What this system can do is that it can recognize the U in the DNA, it can flip it out and take it away, and then via a number, uh, set of other reactions, replace the U with the correct C again. This is just one of many types of base repairs that the base excision repair system can take care of. We, now know, we know today that there are more than hundreds different lesions to DNA that can be repaired by the base excision repair system, and it guards the information in our genomes. DNA mutation may also arise during DNA replication, which is the process when the genetic material is copied and when do you need to copy the DNA? Well, that is when a cell is going to divide. You need to take the genetic information in the first cell and you need to do, make two copies that can go to the two daughter cells. And in order to do this, you need to replicate or copy DNA. And what happens then is that the double-stranded DNA is split open and each of the two original strands are used as templates to synthesize new companion strands. And during this process, it is extremely important that we recreate exactly the same base pairs that were in the original, original DNA molecule. But on very rare occasions, one in a million, there is actually a, a, an error introduced. There is a base coming in that shouldn't be there. And we call these incorrect bases mismatches. Our second Nobel Prize laureate, Paul Modrich, he has spent his life trying to figure out 
how these mismatches, how they are corrected. And uh, he has found a system which we now know as the mismatch repair system. And this repair system contains a number of different proteins. And what these proteins can do is that it can recognize a mismatch. And then it can also recognize which of the two strands that are newly synthesized. Because you just want to correct the strand that's newly synthesized. You don't want to change the old strand. And then you cleave the newly synthesized strand and you take away the piece of DNA co containing the mismatch. And then the DNA is synth synthesized again and we get the correct strand. This is a very important mechanism that, the mechanism that that increase the fidelity of DNA replication with a factor of about 1,000. And it's a very important factor in, in preserving genetic information in our genomes. Finally, we can also get damage to our DNA due to external <coughs> sources like UV light, ultraviolet light, present in ordinary sunlight. And one of the, the things that can happen is that if we have two T's, the letter T's here in the DNA next to each other, if we, uh, if we get you ultraviolet light on these T's, sometimes they can actually, there can actually be a chemical link performed between them that destroys the structure of DNA. This has serious consequences both for the structure and function of the DNA, and, uh, and we cannot tolerate that. Our last uh, Nobel Prize laureate, uh, Aziz Sanyar, has investigated how one can take away this type of UV-induced damages in DNA. And he has identified the components and characterized the mechanisms of what we, know now, what we now know as nucleotide excision repair. This repair system recognizes uh, uh, these chemically linked T's and then it cleaves the DNA on each side of this UV-induced lesion and cuts away the damaged DNA strand. After this, we can synthesize a new piece of DNA which is then uh, chemically correct. This type of nucleotide excision repair is not only important for UV-induced damages, but also take away many other types of damages. For example, those uh, that are created by uh, compounds that, that we get in when we smoke cigarettes. Together, our uh, three Nobel Prize laureates this year have explained basic mechanisms, basic cellular mechanisms at the molecular level that help to guard the integrity of our genomes. And for this, the Royal Academy of Sciences, Swedish uh, Academy of Sciences, is extremely proud to present to them the 2015-year Nobel Prize in Chemistry. Yes. Thank you, Klaus. Do we have Thomas Lindahl with us uh, on the via phone line from London? Yes, I am here. Who would like to start asking Professor Lindahl a question? Uh, does this system work the same way in our cells as in the cells of pathogens? And if there is a difference, is there any medication that... Uh, utilizes this? The DNA repair mechanisms are universally distributed. All living cells have repair mechanisms, but they are more or less efficient. And uh, we try to identify uh, weak targets in pathogens uh, 
where they are poor at repair their DNA and uh, we can uh, perhaps damage them that selectively. Could you elaborate a little bit about what kind of pathogens that you are working with or considering? It's too early to say that we can target a specific pathogen this way. Yeah? We just have to understand that many of the uh, drugs we use uh, damage DNA. Yeah? And uh, so there is a balance here. We have our own repair mechanisms to try to counteract the DNA damage. Uh, when we want to selectively damage cells, uh, like cancer cells or infected cells, uh, the repair mechanisms are uh, less than helpful. But without repair mechanisms, we wouldn't be long-lived. One final thing. It was mentioned that cigarette smoke damages DNA. Do you know how that happens? Yes. Uh, cigarette smoke contains reactive uh, small chemicals. They bind to the DNA and prevent the DNA from being read properly or replicated properly. So they are mutagens. Uh, and uh, once they damage DNA, uh, this can result in a number of diseases, including cancer. Could you say something about what led you into this research? Why did you think it was an interesting problem to figure out why C's get converted to use and, and back? Yes. Uh, I was studying the properties of DNA and found somewhat to my surprise that DNA is much more labeled than we usually recognize. It gets damaged in cells by the water we live in, and that cannot be avoided. So that means you have to repair the DNA all the time. That wasn't known, and nor were the mechanisms known that deal with this spontaneous DNA damage. So we have clarified that. And some of those mechanisms are also used as defense against uh, uh, dangerous compounds in the environment and drugs and so on. But the uh, main purpose is to provide uh, defense against unavoidable DNA damage. Hello, David Keaton from the Associated Press. Uh, Professor, we're hearing the words cancer, we're hearing the words smoking. These are things that uh, touch... Everyone can understand the impact of these diseases and uh, how, how they can affect the lives of millions of people. Can you tell us a little bit how this breakthrough in science uh, can lead to better treatment and, um, and better, better medicine? Uh, as I mentioned, it's very important that we have DNA repair. In, uh, unfortunately, individuals that have defective DNA repair they die early or uh, have serious medical problems. So we have to have DNA repair. On the other hand, if we treat a cancer cell with an anti-cancer drug, that often acts by damaging the DNA of the cancer cell. So we try to kill the cancer cell, and the cancer cell fights back by DNA repair. So we have two edges to this sword. Uh, we need a DNA repair, but we don't like it that the cancer cells can repair their DNA. So we have to understand the mechanism so we can selectively provide good therapies that way. So, so for the, the, the millions of people uh, that are going to be hearing about this prize today, uh, what, does it, what sort of hope should it bring to them? 
in the uh, somewhat longer run, uh, we can provide better treatment and better drugs because we have to understand how DNA is damaged. We can't avoid DNA damage. We live in a world where we get exposed to DNA damaging agents all the time, and many of those are in ourselves, and we can't avoid them. I'm thinking about uh, viruses. Do they have this mechanism, or how are they related anyway to this research? Uh, yes. Uh, bacteria and large viruses uh, can code for their own DNA repair mechanisms, and that helps them overcome the defense mechanism of the host. That is not always a good thing for us. Eh? So we have to understand how the, the DNA repair mechanism works, eh? and this is what I and others have been doing. Eh? So we can, uh, for example, by radiation, selectively kill tumor cells without damaging the individual. Thomas Lindahl for att han var med oss. Thank you very much, Thomas, for being with us today. Congratulations again to your Nobel Prize and welcome back to your old hometown in December. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for Thank now. You. Okay, let's move on to questions to uh, our experts on the panel. Questions from the media. Okay, yes, Joanna Rose, please. Yes, I wonder, there are three different mechanisms you just mentioned. Are there many more mechanisms? that uh, the research is going on? Definitely. I mean, new DNA repair mechanisms are being discovered as we speak, probably. So uh, there are many other mechanisms that have been discovered in, in, in recent years. And one can say that uh, we give a, we give, when we talk about these prices, we talk about the original discoveries in, in, uh, in bacteria often. But what has happened is, of course, that all these free Nobel laureates, they have continued with their work for many, many years, and they have transferred their knowledge into the mammalian system, so they see that the same principles apply also in our human cells. Uh, and as I said, there are, there are definitely other forms of repair which are also very important. Uh, so this is, but these are, these are very early discoveries, and they opened up the field I understanding that mechanism that this could, could exist. When, when were they made? So in the, the, the first discoveries were, were made by Thomas Lindahl, and that was in, in the early 70s that he made his, his discoveries. Then the transformation in understanding how it works was in human cells that took another 10, 20 years before sort of that come to, I wouldn't say completion because it's still studied. Uh, the others uh, did their breakthroughs in, in, in the 80s, and uh, middle of the 80s, late, late 80s, that's when they did the breakthroughs. And, but also them, also, also Sanyar and Mudrish continued and transferred the knowledge from the E. coli and bacteria into the mammalian system. And then we are into late 90s and, and, and early 2000 even. <laughs> 